Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gimmage, joining you again for another episode. At the Dash Podcast, our goal is always to bring in educators who are solving problems for school communities. And Mr. Michael Creekmore is just that. Probably the coolest school counselor <laughs> east of the Mississippi. He's the bearded school counselor. He's got amazing um, side hustles with his t-shirt brand, with his partnership with Rhythm. He's been on several podcasts. He's an avid writer. So I'm really excited to have Mr. Creekmore on today. Uh, Before I introduce you, Michael, um, I just want to tell the folks to make sure that you visit our website, seleducators.com, and also follow us at YouTube on SEL Educators. How you doing, man? It's good to see the bearded school counselor today. Yes. Yeah, the, the beer's still here. It's just, it's, it's kind of like I'm getting ready for spring early. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing well, man. I'm honored to be on the, on the podcast, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank it, you. I'm humbled. For sure. I remember um, seeing you and your wife actually a couple years ago at the um, Educators to Educators Conference. Uh, I think you both presented um, a few years ago and have continued to do so since. And so, you know, I've, it took me a long time to grow my beard and it's still not quite as lavish <laughs> as yours is. How does it feel now not having, you know, the beard that's kind of a moniker for you right now? Or I guess not a full beard, not a thick beard, I should say. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, my wife, um, the lovely love teach, but she's clowning me and said, "Baby, maybe it should be the beardless school council." I was like, "No, babe, Mm-mm. Mm. not gonna be able to, not gonna be able to do it." Yeah. <laughs> so it's felt, um, it's felt different. It's, uh, I, I feel at first, the first few months, I felt kind of, kind of weird without it. The wind would mm. hit it and you know hit my face. I hadn't felt that in a while, but mm. I'm, I'm getting used mm. to it now. I remember I used to have long, I used to have a ponytail of long hair until like my junior year of high school. And I got a cut in January. So as soon as I stepped outside, my neck was was frozen when I came out. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm curious on your end, you know, and this is kind of maybe a different question. But, you know, sometimes a lot of times for women, their hair is a part of their identity. You know, I kind of take pride in myself, too. Sometimes I keep my hair curly. Sometimes I cut it low. Sometimes I do a goatee. Sometimes I do a beard. Is there an identity that comes with your beard or um, some of that appearance? I know you, you're fresh from the to the head to the shoe. So, well, I think the, the interesting thing is because I've only been in education for four years. I've always been a licensed professional counselor. Mm-hmm. I've only been in education for four years. And my wife was telling me once I became a school counselor, she was like, babe, like, you start an Instagram page. I was like, okay, um, for what? Like, what am I going to do? And by this time, like, I had fully grown my beard out. She was like, well, she's like, bearded something. I was like, mm-hmm. bearded school counselor? like, bearded school counselor? She was like, yeah, that kind of has a ring to it. it ring so to I stuck it. with that. Um, but, like... I guess for me, it's like I'm always gonna have a shadow. I don't ever want to be. Um, I don't whatever. I don't want to ever have the butt naked face. <laughs> but um, I, I feel like I can rock with it if I if I have to. But yeah, no, nah, I'm not really. Con- the funny thing is, I'm not as connected to it as you would think that I mm-hmm. I would be. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can grow it back. Like, give me about a year. I'll go, I'll go okay, 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 okay. So that that's real, you know. And I think I noticed too. You you did kind of hit on. You've only been in education for four years, and I think 
you can kind of feel that. I mean, I didn't know that before I started kind of digging into your profile and stuff, but you, you would think you're a lifetime educator. But as I look at your some of your brands and your podcast and, and your, your Instagram feed, it's like, you know, you know, this guy, you're not just about education. You're a person first. And I think that's something yes. that's often yeah. missing with, I think, education or professionalism is sometimes you lose sight of the person. But your, your page is very, um, it's not too in your face. And I, I that's feedback from myself. I feel like most of my posts are heavily focused on education or the content we put out. But I appreciate the, the tone in which your page comes across that's um, very casual, um, but still supportive and, and um, applicable, I guess you could say. Yes. I, I've, I've always felt like um, being a counselor, that's, yeah, that's who I am. Like, I just feel like I was made for that profession. But I always felt like when I became a counselor, I never wanted to be the counselor that you could just look at and tell. Like, because some people, mm. they work in certain professions, they're like, oh, yeah, I thought that was you. I thought that's mm. what you did. Mm. But for me, I always felt like, yeah, I don't have to look a certain way to be this or to be that. Um, I feel like I'm always being true to myself. I've always been a sneakerhead since I was, oh, my God, since I was an elementary school kid myself, I was always in the sneakers. Mm. So I just always felt like being true to myself and I never wanted to lose that. So as I came along and I became a counselor, um, I felt the need to continue to be me. And then so far it's, it's worked out pretty, pretty well. Um, I feel yeah. like because I am me, I'm able to relate a lot better in a lot of different and varying spaces that others would because I am constantly myself. Mm. Mm. I, um, I can appreciate that. I think that's a, uh... I think as all the new through the pandemic and you've got so many um, theories that have existed, but are coming rising to the top. When you when you talk about SEL that's been around for a while or coastal responsive teaching, et cetera, you can go down the list. Again, I think just what can get lost sometimes is just being the person first. Um, and right. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear. I know you mentioned you've been in education four years prior to you were in counsel, or clinical counseling. How do you feel like that experience working with adults shaped you working with primary or K through five students? And uh, the second part of that question, in your four years, that means you've had like your first cycle of student, your, your first grader that's gone to like fourth, fifth grade. Yep. What did you yep. kind of learn through that process and cycle? <laughs> um, I feel like it's, it's interesting because I feel like every job that I've had, because coming up through the ranks of um, becoming a licensed professional counselor, I worked at a uh, residential psychiatric treatment facility for children um, to teenagers. So children through adolescence, I did that. Um, Department of mm -hmm. Family and Children Services, I did that. Department of Juvenile Justice, worked there for, oh, wow. um, for several years in a facility as a counselor. Um, in addition to working at working as a clinical director at a treatment facility or at a community, I'm sorry, at a community-based counseling center. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like, and then, oh, and then also working at a, treat, a pretty well-known treatment facility here in Georgia um, at the, in the intake department doing initial assessment. So doing the mm -hmm. initial assessment and the preliminary diagnosis and all those things. So I feel like all of that made school counseling a walk in the park for me <laughs> because I, I was able to have all that experience. And then, oh, yeah. let's not forget, also work for the uh, for United Behavioral Health, Optum, mm. also known as Optum. 
So I also worked on the insurance side of things. So I can tell you wow. what your benefits look like, the facilities that are in network, out of network, what you need to talk to your provider about mm. so you get the, the best treatment, Damn. like all those things. Damn. So walking into the school system, um, I think I was viewed as um, a, a, a pretty solid resource yeah. because a lot of the students now, it's not just the guidance counselor. Kids need real counseling in school. Mm. Um, and even though I can't operate in that role of an LPC because that'd be like a dual role, I can't do that. I am able to make quicker referrals because I know where to go, who to talk to and help parents, you know, navigate and talk to that provider to let them know what it is that they're needing and what they're looking for. Mm. So I, I'm able to serve as a, mm. as a pretty solid resource in my school. Yeah, that's special. That that's special. I know um in, in my school and several schools I've worked with, I think just finding the right counselor, guidance counselor or psychologist to be able to come and assist, you know, there's there's a lot of um alternative methods that you have to try. I know I've um had uh counselors in different states, you know, you've got online counselors or psychologists and, and things like that. Um how are you able to like how many students do you feel like are need counseling slash are you referring to counseling kind of quicker and then what i'm sure in atlanta you your resources are probably more grand or are you in atlanta yes well right outside um, right. In, in, in the atlanta, suburb yeah the atlanta, atlanta area yeah. the, those those resources are far more grand than perhaps bishopville rural bishopville south carolina yes. with a Absolutely. population of ten thousand people in the county like what, what what kind of resources do you have? And like for someone like myself in the rural community, how could I start to give my kids the support they need as well? Um, first and foremost, trying to find um, providers that are able to come into the school. Um, we have at my school, we have a, a specific in-school provider. Um, a lot of the schools now are, are trending that way where they're able to provide a, or a, they're able to partner with the agency that's able to come into the school, occupy our office space, maybe two or three days out of the week mm -hmm. and actually see students um, based upon the referral. Like if the school counselor is able to talk to the parent, connect the parent to the provider, then they can start that referral process and then have an initial intake and then begin services. So that's been, we've been fortunate and blessed in that regard to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very helpful when you know like the verbiage to use when you're talking about you know possible levels of care outpatient whether or not the student could benefit from intensive yeah. family intervention services which is iffy yeah. or are they okay with the traditional uh, wraparound services which is in the community mm. all those things are important but i would say if you're in a rural if, if you're in a rural community trying to identify the providers in that community that are not only willing, but are able to come into the schools and try to create or establish a type of partnership. Yeah. Because they, they're out there. A lot of them are out there. Um, but unfortunately, they struggle to, you know, make it out of the gate because they haven't gone through the proper channels. Because with yeah. many schools having to go through the, you know, that board office or county office is is vital. It's, it's mm -hmm. essential. You can't just, you know coming to any school nowadays like you did, you know, 10, 15 years Back ago. In the day. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, um, I think a really good way to look at how your experience prior to is a impact in the school. Cause I think like, even when you think about education, I think, or college specifically, there's a good way to think about it in terms of like your first two years, you're taking general ed classes 
and then you're yeah. taking your upper level courses. But in your case, in this transition to school counseling, you took your upper level and your master's yeah. classes first. And it, came, out, it came down. Yeah, I know the game. Yeah. Now I'm going to come out here and make sure it's correct because I think even like a guidance counselor fresh out of school, they're not going to be able to do off the bat at least what, what you're able to share, you know, right here and right now. And, and I want to go down this rabbit hole a little bit further. So, okay, I've got a provider. Um, we agreed to get them to come in, but the packet they've got to fill out is eight pages. And we know how how some parents feel about counseling. How how do I I know this student needs to be recommended? You know, we have our conversations now, we've built that trust. But once I refer that student from my office to a counselor, now mom's got to do some work and fill out the paperwork and I've got to go talk to a stranger. How what's the how do you make that transition? Um trying to be the I'm not gonna say the negotiator, but the go-between, like the you're really trying your best to be the person that's trying to, the liaison between mm. the family and the treatment provider. Mm. Um, helping the treatment provider understand what their experience with, and see part of that is having to know the student that you're referring, right? Because if you're a counselor and you're working with a, a specific student, you know what you've experienced, what you've expected, what that student's issues may be, what their challenges may, may look like. That provider does not yet. That parent is not always willing to share that information. So mm -hmm. there's some behind the scenes work that needs to happen mm -hmm. before that parent meets that provider. So that provider knows, okay, this parent, you can't go in there with, it's got to be this, it's got to be that, it's got to be this. Mm -hmm. You're going to scare that parent off and you will never see that child. So trying to be mm -hmm. that liaison mm -hmm. to help both sides and then talking to the parent to help the parent understand this could be, you know, this could really help you know, not just your, your child, but it can help you as well. Because yeah. we know when there are any students who are experiencing any behavioral issues, parents automatically put that wall up, not because they're proud, but because they are, sometimes they're ashamed, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're ashamed that my child is out here acting a fool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the school keeps calling me. Now I'm frustrated, but what do you want? And you'll hear parents say, what do you want me to do about it? Okay, so now I'm I'm helping you figure out something to do about mm -hmm. now. We, me and you, are doing something about it together. So let's mm -hmm. try to get on the same page here. And then prayerfully, that treatment provider is not coming in with the eight page packet because <laughs> that parent is going to be like, "No, nah, I'm not doing this." So maybe <laughs> maybe they can streamline it. Yeah. Just you know, talk about what it is that the parent is signing because I know with our provider, a lot of times they will talk through what the yeah. parent is looking at on the page. And they so have that knowledge base. Yeah. And then, okay, okay now you're going to sign here. This is saying that, you know, this is going to release of information. If anything happens, you're giving us permission to speak to this, um, to speak to this, to speak to the doctor, their pediatrician, mm -hmm. or if it's a co-parenting situation, you're giving us permission to speak to their, to the other parent, whoever the other parent may be. Um, mm -hmm. Just things of that nature and being able to explain that in a succinct way that doesn't scare the parent off and doesn't make them feel overwhelmed. It's, it's, that's vital. But if you can't do that, you're not going to get that family. You're not mm -hmm. going to see that, that, that student. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, I guess switching lanes a little bit because you do a lot. Uh, clearly you're an advocate and you've gone around supporting people and, and working inside your communities. 
that you've been a part of, whether it's JJC or um, you know the school that you're in now, but you also contribute to um, the counseling, to education and self-care through blogs, through your podcast interviews, uh, through your clothing brand, and also through rhythm, um, which is something that you just uh, put me on a moment ago. Can you talk a little bit about rhythm and how that may be another support for counselors in schools? Absolutely. Rhythm is a, yes. Rhythm is a wellness. Um, it's a wellness app and it works the way that it works. I'm going to walk you through it. In many schools, there's usually a check in, um, especially when you're talking about middle and high school um, and for elementary as well. When you're doing your morning check ins, as most educators are um, doing their, you know, their SEL morning check ins just to touch base you're able to, instead of physically doing that, you're able, the student is able to access that on a computer. So when they access it on a computer, the check-in is simply, they're checking, they're selecting an emoji mm. that best describes how they're feeling. Based upon that, um, based upon that emoji, like say, let's say it's, they're angry and maybe some in our library, in a catalog library, there are different mini or micro lessons, micro lessons being 60 seconds or less, just some mindfulness um, mm. scripts that they're able to just listen to and process. Like if I come in, say for instance, I come in and I'm angry. I'm really mad because last night um, I'm in elementary school. I didn't eat. My parents got home late. Wow. I'm starving. And you can't, I come in this morning and you're telling me to open my math book to page nine because we got a pop quiz. I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm mad. I'm irritated. Like, you know, I'm, I don't want to do yeah. that. So I'm able to access a micro lesson that may even talk about what it is to be mad and how to work through that anger. And some things that you can do to work through that all within 60 seconds. Thanks. In addition to that, it also generates um, flags to your teacher. Like, mm. say, for instance, I come in now, this is, I came in Monday, I was mad. I came in Tuesday, I was scared. I came in Wednesday, I was mad again. Then I was scared on Thursday. And then I was, I was really, I was furious, not just mad, but furious on Friday. Now the teacher has a flag that's sent to them, letting them know, hey, you might want to check in with this student because this mm. student has had multiple days of being mad or angry or upset. So then the teacher now, okay, so I know uh, people always say Johnny as the excuse, as a, as a name. I know Johnny's out who might be watching this. like, dang, why song got to be a Johnny? <laughs> but um, we'll say Mike. Um, now Mike is being referred to the counselor because Mrs. Williams has seen that Mike has come in feeling, having some maladaptive feelings or having some um, mm -hmm. like not so pleasant feelings all throughout the week. So now instead of me having to physically as a teacher go in there and say, hey, what's going on? Let's talk, which is good, which is still strongly encouraged. You don't even have to do that. You can just say, hey, I think it'll benefit you to go talk to the counselor. Mm -hmm. So it's it kind of alleviates some of that, um, those additional steps that sometimes teachers complain about. And, right. I, and, and now that I'm in education, I understand why they complain about it because teachers, especially in 2022, have not just 1.5 million, but 2.5 million things on their plate. Mm. So being able to take that extra two, three minutes out of the day can be costly for them. Yeah, for sure. And does it work? Is it a um, is it a desktop app that you can click and pop up, or how does, yes. how does it, it access? 
it is a, it is a desktop app um, currently. We they are in the works of trying to do some um, more things for like Android, iOS specifically. Mm-hmm. I, well, um, you know, I'm faithful to Apple, so no <laughs> offense to anyone who's not. Um, but iOS and app, um, iOS and um, Android friendly um, okay. applications. So okay. it's and it's also there. There's also some um, professional development for teachers because mm-hmm. we know teachers need affirmation as well. It's it's been lots of talk about self-care, but yeah. how dare you talk to me about self-care where you're the administrator that's putting more on my plate, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear self-care from you. Let me hear from yeah. somebody else. So yeah. we provide that as well. Okay. That, that's really cool. That's a wonderful uh, collaboration and partnership. New opportunity continuing to grow. So rhythm is definitely something I'm going to check out. Is it, check out with the students. Is, is it on a, um, a school license type of situation? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. it is. Um, it is school licensed. Um, so it would be a lot of times it's the school district purchases mm-hmm. that similar to how like a lot of school districts have purchased um, Nearpod, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but it's more interactive um, as far as gathering information mm-hmm. and gathering um, behavior, student behavior data. Okay. So you're able to collect that more. Whereas with Nearpod provides more lessons and more of an interactive um lesson experience mm-hmm. um, rhythm is more or less trying to check on the the wellness of the of the student of the student okay so it's much okay. more useful in that regard yeah for sure and and you did mention as well that uh, you know you are a contributor to rhythm as a you know writer and yes. speaker as well and i see you got your audio booth set up there in the back as yeah, well yeah yeah right here in the booth right here in the right, booth right in the booth no, with your pad yeah, right in the booth <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's a whole nother skill set. You know, I, I guess you, you got the whole counseling, psychology, education, but being able to write, and I'm, I'm talking about rhythm now, but also your blogs, where does that skill come from? Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, I feel like it's something that I tapped into. Ironically, I tapped into it. I, Trey, I actually have the pandemic to thank for that. Mm. I, I kind of started a little bit prior, pre-pandemic, like I think early 2019. Um, had to be shortly after the death of uh, Nipsey Hussle because that was mm. like the first blog that I wrote. I did see that. So I think I wrote that one. And then after that one came the 2% of education, um, yep. which I'm talking about 2% black males. That's the, mm-hmm. Still has not changed of anything that might have gone down <laughs> since the past couple of years. Yeah. But um. I don't know. I think for me, I've always enjoyed reading um, articles and blogs where I feel like I can almost visualize what the person is talking about. And for me, because I feel like mm-hmm. I'm a better writer than I am um, orator. So for me, it's always been easier for me to write it out and talk about, you know, what it is and how it looks and all those things. So it's just yeah. become second, second nature. Um, and it's all based on counseling experience. Like a lot of scripts that I write for Rhythm um, has been stuff that I've experienced, either mm-hmm. as um, Little Mike being, you know, <laughs> a, a middle school, you know, high school kid, um, College Mike. Yeah, college Mike was, College Mike has a good time. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, then, um, of course, Married Mike. And, and now, um, now, very much Dad Mike. Mm. Dad Mike had with three high school, three high schoolers. Wow. 
Wow. And and our youngest okay. is in, our youngest is in second grade. So yeah, wow. a lot of my scripts now. So a lot of times I have to try to read over it, or one of our editor, one of the editors will read over it and say, "Uh, Mike, you gotta take out that dad <laughs> vibe." You know, kids don't want to gotcha. hear the dad vibe. So. Gotcha. No, but 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 that's good. I um that that's cool. I feel like there's writer. There's a mentor I had who's actually in Atlanta as well. Have uh, Terrence Moore. He's a sports journalist down there. We went to the same uh, university. Okay. And so he's a writer all the time. He knew I was trying to be a speaker coming out of college. And he's like, you know, if you want to be a better speaker, you got to be a better writer. If you want to be a better writer, you got to be a better reader. And so those three things, writing, reading, and speaking are a yes. process. And you, you've got to do them in unison. Is there, you got something else to add on that? I see you agreeing. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Because I have found recently that the more that I write, the better I speak like there's mm. definitely a, a connection and I'm finding myself reading far more articles now than I did previously, because of course it's the, you know, you need to sharpen your tools. You need to read how stuff is, you know, how stuff is worded, learning different mm. styles of writing, like all that it's it, to become better. You have to constantly do it, whether it's, you know, reading different articles or it's looking at different, um, different presentations different presentation styles, like all of that. It's, I've, I find myself doing that a lot recently. And it's like, yeah. it's interesting because with the presentation, I'm finding myself doing and experimenting more. Um, mm. When I do presentations, whenever I do got it, whenever I do my um, classroom lessons at school. Mm. So definitely shout out to my fourth and fifth graders for being, <laughs> for, um, for being a captive audience for me because I'm like, okay, so I can talk more. I can move around. Like it's not necessarily right. what I say, but just the style of being able to move around while talking, engaging the mm. audience while talking instead of just standing there like I'm, you know, yeah. really like I'm like a freeze tag. Yeah, like yeah. I'm free, like I'm like someone tagged me and we playing freeze <laughs> tag, and I just gotta stand there and not move. Okay. So okay. So so where do you see yourself then um moving forward? I know we didn't get too deep into the writing, but you've got You've got a couple of irons in the skillet. You're, you're new in the counseling. Do you feel like you're going to stay in that elementary level? Are you going to, is there places that you're looking to expand and grow the beta school counselor brand? I definitely um, am interested in looking to do uh, more writing. Definitely more writing. Um, have a, a few things that I'm working on now and I'm staying quiet about. But, you know, you got to stay quiet about it to actually happen. You mess around and say it, but oh shoot! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Mike, man, what happened? You said you were gonna do this. Yeah, so I yeah, gotta stay yeah. quiet about it. Can't say anything about that right now. Um, okay, but I could definitely see myself continuing to. I don't have any desire to do high school or mm -hmm. middle school. I don't. Okay. I think I'm living the high school experience right now with um, my okay. high school. Is Bryce, Bryce and Aspen and Simone are definitely. Allow me to live that high school experience. Mm. Um, mm. And I always, I went into elementary school because I felt like I'd be able to have a greater impact at an earlier age. So that. my hope and aspiration was always mm. to get in there early. So for my middle and high school colleagues, maybe, just maybe, I can play, get in there early and mm -hmm. plant a seed. So by the time you get them, they'll be a little bit more proud. resilient. Yeah. 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 So... So yeah, like, that was that was my main reason. 
Okay, that that's good. And I feel like you need the people at the different checkpoints in life. Like my favorite area is probably middle school because it's such a transitionary period. Yes, so it is. That, that foundation in uh, elementary, and now I feel like you really that for me. That's where I really woke up, and like I, I got suspended a few times in middle school, and you know did some dumb stuff. But ultimately, it's like okay, I, I know where I need to go. Let let me go that way. And like you said, those yeah. seeds start to sprout a little bit more. Um, going there. So I love it, man. Um, anything else that you want to share with the people? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, my wife and I uh, have our, will be continuing to work on it, especially more this summer, uh, create more conversations. Mm. Where we, we talk about not just education and the importance of relationships and education, but also being parent educators, mm. um, we oftentimes have some pretty, we like to catch our, our conversations um, on YouTube from time to time where we're mm. talking about what it's like being um, like parents of athletes, parents of, of teenagers nowadays, what that's been like, um, Bryson and him being, you know, different girls after our son, um, different young men after our, our daughters, mm. like different, like stuff like that. Yeah. And let me, let me check. They're not young boys, boys yeah. after our daughters. It's always going to be boys. Oh, um, yeah. I don't care how old you are, but the fact of the matter is it, it, it can be entertaining. And we often like to have yeah. that up there. We're trying to do, we'll try to do a little bit more consistently, yeah. but um, we also do some, some speaking and presentations together. Mm. I'll always say my wife is my, my, my my fav- most favorite um, partner to present with because okay. it's such a natural flow. The, the way we present is just how we interact. So you get us. Like when we yeah. present together, it's going to be quirkiness. It's going to be um, <laughs> jokes. It's going to be silliness. It's going to be all of that. But you're also going to walk away with the message. So that's just us. Mm. Mm. I love that. And, and her name on um, Instagram is Love, love Teach, Teach Bless. Love Teach yes. Bless. Yeah, lo- love everything that you guys put out. So this was definitely a good conversation. And um, I'm excited to see what kind of uh, things that you've got in store that are in the works and what's coming out. Might need to cop me a T-shirt or two as well. Uh, man, I'm, I, yeah. I really appreciate everything that you're doing. I've been a fan of yours for a couple of years now at this point and, and hope that uh, we continue to can, can continue to find ways to collaborate in the future. Absolutely. You most definitely will, man. And again, Humble to be on, humble to be a guest today. I appreciate you and I look forward to connecting with you again in the very near future. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, thank you for joining me and thank you all for listening to the Dash Podcast. This is another wonderful episode. Go follow the Bearded School Counselor on Instagram. Um, he's got plenty of links there to show you and, and see all the great things that he's got going on. If you like the episode, share with your friends. Follow us on YouTube at SEO Educators. And we'll see you next time. This is The Dash.